Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Concerts That Made Us. I'm your host Brian, and before we get into this week's episode, you can find us and follow us on social media, just search for Concerts That Made Us Podcast. We're now on YouTube, we're on Patreon, and don't forget to check out our website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com. Now that that's out of the way, on to this week's episode, I've got some show for you guys. My guest is The Sixth Letter. One of the most exciting bands to come out of the UK in a very long time. You're going to love these guys. They bring a range of influences to the table and come up with their own unique sound. Speaking of rap rock, I done something interesting on Instagram that got a good reaction. So I thought I'd share it here too. Did you know that rap rock is a fusion genre that fuses vocal and instrumental elements of hip hop with various forms of rock? Rap rock's most popular subgenres include rap metal and rap core, which include heavy metal and hardcore punk oriented influences respectively. And one of the earliest examples of rapping in rock music is Year of the Guru by Eric Burden and the Animals, a psychedelic rock song in which Eric Burden, according to all music, took the role of a modern rapper. Another example is I Wanna Be Your Dog, a 1969 song by garage rock proto-punk band The Stooges. The Talking Heads song Cross-Eyed and Painless features a rap break near its end. Also, the psychedelic Furs song Wedding Song from 1980 is essentially rapped. In 1983, Kiss released the song All Hell's Breaking Loose on the album Lick It Up, with singer Paul Stanley rapping the verses. So now, there's some interesting facts about rap rock you might not have known. So anyway, we're going to take a listen to Sugar Nut now before we get talking to the guys. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Fear of what it could be a handful of 
Hey guys, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Hey man, how's it going? I'm good, I'm good. Yourself? Yeah, all good, thank you. Good, good. So, would you like to tell the listeners a bit about yourselves? Yeah, my name's Mark Mortar. I'm a singer in a band called The Six Letter, and I've got a bass player with me, Rich, here. Um, we're a rap, I guess we're a rap-rock crossover, essentially, but we take in a whole load of influences across the board. Um, but yeah, we're a, we're a rock band, essentially, from the middle of, uh, middle of England. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been listening to your stuff quite a bit now in the last few days, and it's pretty great. But I was thinking, rap rock is kind of it's not at the forefront like it used to be. But you guys, I think, are really going to bring it back. It's uh, it's it's great to hear a band like yourselves nowadays. You know, it's like a callback to Lincoln Park and Limp Biscuit from you know the early to mid two thousands. Uh, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that. Like. It's just something that I've persisted with. Like I've always been making music and initially I started off in hip hop. And then, like I said earlier, the, the influences just took a hold. And as sort of the, the, the 2000s new metal sort of started, that's when I really started getting interested in, in pushing a hip hop sound further. So, uh, yeah, those comparisons, I guess, a Linkin Park, you know, that, that kind of thing is pretty, it's pretty accurate. Again, like when I started making crossover stuff i definitely wanted to pull it away from a metal like a limp biscuit type thing because i i look a bit like the guy too so it would be like i didn't want to say it <laughs> yeah so, so again it was out of choice really i love limp biscuit they're, they're great but like, i've never wanted to sound like them there's only you know i mean there's only one of those so i wanted to do that like our brand of Rap rock, I guess, is just uh, more of a, a punk, pop punk. Not, mm, wouldn't say pop punk. What would you say, Rich? Yeah, that, I think it's a bit of a mishmash, really. But hip hop, punk, and a uh, little bit of metal in places, but generally just big rock crossover with the rap, I think. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'd say in terms of that sort of early 2000s movement, we're probably a little bit more comparable with Linkin Park, Papa Roach. Um, that sort of sound rather than yeah rather yeah than, a, a hard rock thing yeah. rather than a, a new metal thing i think that's where we're yeah sort of and ourselves. i think like more recently we've got influences like a day to remember um, and bands like that coming through to give it that kind of punky edge as well so it's yeah it's a bit of a mishmash of lots of different influences i suppose yeah yeah, yeah. you've um you've been together for 10 years but one year as a band how did you actually come together as a band did you all know each other for years or was it you were looking for different instrumentalists and came together like that? Yeah, initially, like I said, I started more of a solo artist sort of piecing beats together and, and using a musician here and there after all my samples had run out, really. Like as a DJ, I was a DJ, but like my interest started to ebb and flow more into a musical sort of feel to, to what I do. So I basically, for want of a better word, I couldn't be bothered anymore to be in record shops trying to find, you know, samples and, and cool things to use. I wanted to actually create something original. So, yeah, I started to enlist musicians to sort of come in and I'd sample them. Mm. Um, but again, as that sort of moved moved along, I wanted to be able to play it live and, and be part of a band thing. Because, again, making music as a soloist by yourself it just got boring, you know, and I, I wanted, I wanted to move it on into a band thing. Mm, yeah. And um, how has the reception been for, towards the band compared to being a solo DJ? It's just, it's, it's a lot better. It's just it, the decision to sort of start moving it into a band, you know, like say years, years ago now, but it's, it's just progressed nicely. And um, to answer your question, uh, I didn't answer it initially, but um the band, the, this band as it is now has been together about a year or so. Um, the band before it sort of slowed down and stopped. And then it was a conversation me and Rich had. Um, he, he just sort of said, you know, why don't, why he wasn't in the band at the time, but he's like, why aren't you doing the band? And I think it was just before COVID, wasn't it? it was yeah, yeah, it was, it was 20, 2018. So it was pre COVID. Yeah. And you, uh, you, you, 
you know, taken a bit of a break for a while and weren't doing it anymore because some of the uh, musicians you used previously weren't around yeah. and doing it anymore. And you had that batch, of, you know, you had a, a batch of great songs. And at the time I was just going through um, a breakup with my partner and I'd moved uh, into an apartment in your block and yeah. the songs that uh, the songs that had already been written and and and, um, and demoed then like they were just they really spoke to me as well um, as somebody that was going through a hard time at the time and I connected with them and I kind of I guess yeah I guess I, I, I kind of gave you a bit of a kick up the backside to say hey these songs are absolutely amazing like this is what you should be doing get back out there and and, and get it going again and, and that's what you did yeah yeah so we got the, the previous a previous guitarist and my, my the usual drummer we got them back in a room and um it was a rehearsal studio that you 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 were running at the time and um you were just listening to what we were doing and it was just almost like a natural sort of progression as a bass player you weren't currently doing anything in a band and the the, uh, the engineer that um helped us record the empyrean ep uh, he's a guitarist too. So basically you two joined the band, didn't you? Yeah, well, yeah, we were it got to a point where it's just a natural thing for us to both join. And yeah. and yeah, now as a five-piece, I think we've yeah, we've really just it's just clicked naturally as it was meant to. And yeah. we've all known each other for a long, long time as well. So it's not like we've kind of come in cold. We've, you know, we've been in previous bands and stuff and always supported what Marks has done with, with the sick letter. And yeah, it just got to a point where it's just the nat- the most natural thing was just for us to, to join the band and bring it all together. And I think this lineup we've got now as a five piece is, is the one it's, it's ready to take it forward. And that's, uh, yeah, that's what we're planning to do with all these singles at the moment now. Great segue, by the way, I was just going to bring it up that you're, uh, you're releasing all your singles in 12 weeks is that right yeah so we're doing um six singles in 12 weeks basically so one a fortnight um so it's going to be uh it's, it's, it's pretty hectic we've just released the second one on friday um and the first one we released a couple of weeks ago so the reception's been pretty good so far but yeah the aim for us really was kind of we we sat down and we were recording all the way through the pandemic because obviously there was nothing else we could be doing um so it was it was a great opportunity for us to really sit down record a bunch of tracks that we were totally happy with we spent a lot of time on them you know we had probably we were afforded a little bit more time than usual to to really you know get them right mix them and master them well and and we were so proud of the six tracks and they've all got you know such meaning and different messages we kind of sat down and we thought well do we put this out as an ep but then as a, as a, a you know a band that are trying to build a fan base will that give all the songs the maximum amount of exposure you know will, will people connect with them in the same way because i think in today's culture especially there's there's new releases all the time and to sit and and listen to a whole record front to back and then keep returning to it it's it's not something that's done in the way that it used to be so we kind of figured well we want the tracks to stand out. We want to build up a fan base of new listeners and we want each listener to be able to really enjoy the tracks, come back to them and, and also have something to come back and look forward to all the time. So we figured let's just do them as six standalone singles. And then anybody that's new to the band, you know, they're going to listen to a single, but they're only going to ever going to be two weeks away from the next single. So there's something for them to come back to and look forward to. Um, and yeah, also the, there's a lot of thought and a lot of meaning in our lyrics, particularly. And we wanted each song to kind of carry its own message and, and, and stand out. And we kind of figured, yeah, if we got any any new listeners following the band as well, you know, they'll listen to the single uh, or whichever singles out that week, and then they're only ever two weeks away from the next single. So it gives people something to look forward to coming back with. Gives us that constant communication with our fan base as well because. Yeah, we're always putting out new stuff. We're always talking to people. You know, if anybody leaves us a comment on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever platform we're on, you know, we always reply. You know, we're, we're, we're very much kind of wanting to connect with people through our music. So we kind of figured six standalone singles will really give us the opportunity to do that. So, yeah, that's that's where we're at with it. It's a great marketing strategy. I think... Uh... After this, a lot of more bands are going to be doing it, especially the way technology is today. And, you know, it's so easy for anybody to put out singles instead of having to go find a record label, you know, the, the traditional route. But um, 
How did you approach, you know, having to release everything online as opposed to building up a fan base by playing live gigs, you know, with COVID and the effects it had on the music industry? It must have been a scary thought for uh, such a new band. Yeah, I mean, ideally, we we, we want to go and play. And the whole thing, the whole pandemic situation was just torture, really, for for somebody that thrives off, you know, playing live and, and connecting with with people um so i guess just having no choice you know like we we sat down and just came up with you know we've got to we've got to release this stuff at some point we you know and just waiting and waiting each week just to see if there's any news about whether or not we could be you know able to plan some sort of a, a schedule where we could promote it you know with gigs but that never happened so it was just a case of working with what we got and again it's almost it's just become the way it is you know what i mean like the model has changed a lot over Mm. the last years anyway so yeah yeah and it's kind of like we're kind of maybe seeing it the opposite way around now traditionally you know we'd have been looking to get on the road tour it try and get some support slots and, and meet new people that way but we're also very lucky that we've got the technology that we've got now we've got the tools to be able to reach people online so it's kind of yeah we're, we're kind of going the opposite route of promoting the record gathering the fans online you know through spotify apple music youtube and whatever and then uh, and then kind of hot spotting where those fans are and booking the tour dates accordingly. So it's kind of the opposite way around to what we used to, but at the same time, it's equally exciting because we are you know, pushing ourselves to do something a little bit out of the box and, uh, and we are going to get back on the road eventually and, and get touring again. But yeah, we're, we're lucky to be able to just put out this music and, and start building the fan base regardless. Yeah, yeah. Before we get into gigs that you guys have played in the past, so um, we heard your your single "Sugar Knot" opening show. Would you like to tell the listeners a bit about it? Yeah, it's our first single off this run, uh, "Sugar Knot." It's a uh, like it's a it's a it's a rasper um, <laughs> lyrically. Um, again, it, it it's it's based it's based on a, I guess a relationship situation. Um, it's loosely around. There's a a bit of a theme. I try to write it a little less personally, but it always ends up coming back around really, really personally. But I related related a situation in a relationship to like an AI. So that's in the video. There's a bit of a a hint that that sort of there's something behind the glass. There's there's uh, you know there's there's there is another entity that I'm speaking to or something responding. Um, But it's it's basically loosely not being able to get somebody out of your, out of your system after a relationship. Again, it, it doesn't necessarily mean a romantic one. It can be something to do with, with work or family or something like that. Yeah. But it's that, it's, it's that feeling of you've been created by somebody after such a long time, you start to realize who you are, what you are. So it's that that links it back to that AI sort of awakening sort of circularity type thing, um, but yeah, it's 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 it's, it's as deep as that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an interesting comparison between the relationship and AI. How has the uh, the reaction been online? I know you mentioned a few minutes ago that you've got a great reaction, but it's all been going well for that that song. Yeah, everything's been really positive so far. Like couldn't ask for more really you know there's been no no negative feedback <laughs> no sort of you know yeah. nothing online that we could be sort of uh, <laughs> concerned about no I mean it's just for us we're getting lots of new listeners and that you know that was what we've set out to do we've sat on these tracks for quite a long time because of the pandemic and we've been tweaking them and stuff and to be able to put them out there and to have new people you know, connecting with them and, and starting to follow the band, that, that's been the biggest boost for us, isn't it? Like finally yeah. having that music out and seeing every day, you know, we're getting more and more new people coming coming on our social media every day. And yeah, it's just it's just great to see it growing now. Yeah, yeah, it's great uh, that these days you have analytics and you can access all that information yourself and track everything. You know, it's it's really reassuring. 
Yeah, the only trouble is it can be a bit addictive. I'm like, there is six in the morning now. I'm like, get on the analytics. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. When I release a new episode that whole day, every half hour, I'm checking, oh, a new listen, you know, or I've been listening to in America. Oh, brilliant. You know, it's just, it is yeah. an addiction. It is. It is. It's great, though. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll move on to the, the gigs that you guys have played. Do you remember the very first gig that you've played? As this band? I mean, well, whichever way you want to go, if you want to go with this band or just in general. Well, you've got a bit of a story history in, uh, <laughs> in your bands, haven't you? Like, you've been in bands. Yeah, I mean, I think the first gig I ever played in a band, I played in a pop punk band called uh, Three Stories I, straight out of school. And uh, yeah, we played our first show in 2002. Right, right. Uh, just, yeah, crazy, really. <laughs> Nearly 20 years ago. So we've been, uh, yeah, I've been playing for a while. I'm trying to think when our first, the Six Letters first one was. I think it was, you know, it was in a little pub somewhere. It was about 2011, something like that. Uh, I've not been performing that long, we're all told. Like I said, I was, I was always in, in the room making beats and stuff. But um, yeah, it was probably about. 30 people there which is a pretty good turnout for an or you know for a first gig but yeah yeah i think we would have been supporting somebody or yeah just sort of winging it really you were probably a lot more organized than we were <laughs> our first gig i think we'd had about two or three band practices just learn a bunch of blink and some one <laughs> covers and stuff and then just uh, rang up rang up our local music venue in derby which was is quite a renowned venue on the circuit Mm. We was like, oh yeah, can we have a gig, please? And <laughs> the guy, uh, the guy on the other end of the phone was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've got a sold out gig on Saturday, and a band's dropped out. If you want to play, so we just turned up and played, and we were quite honestly awful. <laughs> <laughs> but then that band kicked on from there, and we ended up, you know, we ended up touring um, all around the world. We did Japan and China and and all sorts of stuff off the back of that. So it just shows, you know, it doesn't matter kind of where you come from and, and how bad you are at the start if you just and uh, yeah, anything can happen we all have to start somewhere i guess yeah i mean we're we're itching to sort of take this lineup out and start playing gigs now that's the thing that's missing at the moment um we're we're looking to start doing something probably at the back end of this year and then into the early part of next year but yeah. really kind of we've spent the last year i would say in the rehearsal room refining the set and and you know making sure we're on point live on top of all the recording stuff as well so it's yeah. got to a point now it's like yeah we we've got to get out and play <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not played that many gigs to be honest it's a bit of a boutique band like it's not we've not been out that much but yeah with this new new lineup feeling more like a band you know generally mm-hmm. and looking like and sounding like one yeah, we definitely we want to get out and, and start start doing it. Yeah, you're definitely going to be one of the tightest bands around though, with all the rehearsal time you've had, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. people are going to be yeah. expecting you guys to be on point every single yeah, night. Yeah. <laughs> we <got> no excuse. <laughs> but the, you know, it's going to be, I imagine it's going to be very crowded. The competition is going to be very strong because there's going to be a hell of a lot of bands that have been like yourselves not being able to perform so they've been writing new stuff rehearsing the whole time so it's going to be very a lot of competition i think i think that's the one thing to come out of the pandemic now we're kind of just coming out the other side of it is uh, especially for next year i think every band that we love is announcing tour dates and everybody's just yeah itching to get back out there so it's going to be a great a great year for music fans that, that want to go and see gigs because I think there's going to be gigs all the time. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But anytime you go on social media, it's like everybody and their mother has a band. You know, it's like a podcast. Everyone has a podcast. Nowadays as well, everybody has a band. It's uh, it's interesting to see. So um, the last gig or what you would call a performance in front of people, when would that have been? either as the sixth letter are in other bands? I think for the sixth letter, it was Christmas 2018. Remember Follow You Home? Your, Rich was in a band previously called Follow You Home, and you played a show, I think it was in November that year. Yeah. We supported you at that show. Yeah. And did. then 
the venue booked us for for another one. So yeah, we this band hasn't played for nearly three years. Yeah, I haven't played a gig in any band since that show either. So three years for me as well. So yeah, yeah. Would you be uh, feeling the nerves a bit now about getting back in front of a live audience? I bet it's hard after that that amount of time. It will be interesting to see what it feels like. I mean, traditionally, I don't know, it's not, I don't necessarily feel nervous. I just get excited. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's a passion. I, I love just getting up and playing the songs. I kind of zone it out a little bit. But it will be really exciting to finally have a gig booked and, and, and get ready to go. And Yeah, I'm more of somebody that's nervous before a gig rather than at the gig I'm more like is anyone going to show up how many tickets have we sold like you know how are the numbers looking oh I don't want to I don't want to open up and have nobody there or whatever and then you know once the night gets going and you see that there's a couple of hundred people in the room or whatever I kind of relax and <laughs> when it's time to go on stage that's probably when I'm the least nervous yeah yeah but yeah it's all the build up to, that gets me nervous I've heard that a lot actually once you step on stage everything just fades away and you're just in the zone Absolutely. That's that's really true. Yeah. Who would you uh, say has been your greatest influence then? Ooh, there's so many on there. Um, for me, I thought literally on the spot, maybe Deftones for me. Mm. And Chino as a vocalist, just how sort of dexterous he is with what he does. Um, and again, the early sort of hip-hop sort of influence that I, you know, that I noticed you know, in their earlier stuff really caught my attention. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of creativity and just the different sort of material that they've continued to release, I think I think Deftones for me would, would be my biggest. How about you, Rich? Um, yeah, I guess I traditionally come from a more kind of punk, pop-punk kind of background, so I think... A lot of my influences were those bands that were just touring their asses off in the early 2000s, the, you know, Newfound Glory, Goldfinger, um, yeah, those sorts of bands, really. I mean, as well as connecting with their music, I really connected with kind of the work ethic of those bands and being involved in that scene as well through my old bands. Kind of, we had a very similar mentality. We used to just, I mean, we, we, we got out of school, bought a van, it was the worst van in the world, always breaking down, like an old police van or something. It was horrible. But we literally bought a van and we were like, yeah, we're just going to play gigs and we're going to build a fan base and that's all we're going to do. And we spent a good few years just touring the UK and then into Europe. You know, just we didn't know when whether we were going to get paid. We didn't know where we were going to sleep at the end. We didn't know anything. We just kind of got in the van and did it. And that's what a lot of those, you know, American bands were doing as well. And, yeah, that was just – that's – kind of my biggest influence was on that level as well, just dedication to the music, get in the van, go and give people a good show and yeah, and, and, and be tight live. I love all that stuff too. Like, again, I think a band that crossed things over really nicely for me, again, a massive influence is the band Finch. Mm. Like what they did with sort of pop punk and sort of post-hardcore, um, that definitely resonated on me for sure. Yeah, yeah. Touring Europe and Japan, as you mentioned earlier on, you must have some crazy stories or experiences from then. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Is there anything you can talk about? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, it was, some, yeah, some mad experiences. Like I say, just like being a grassroots band and not knowing where you were going to sleep every night. Mm. So, I also recall you a funny sort of anecdote you tell about your naivety regarding what Chinese food actually is like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Outside of the UK. Yeah, we got, I mean, we're only like probably 18 or no, maybe a little bit older, 19 or 20 or something. And we'd signed with a label in Japan. So we we're already booked to go and do a tour over there to promote the record. And then a label in China approached us and said, hey, you know, We'd like you to do a three-week tour of, of China as well, obviously, you know, vast country, lots of big cities. So we were like, 
three weeks of eating Chinese food, all the noodles, the, the chicken, the sweet and sour chicken balls, everything. It's going to be great. <laughs> and that was kind of the driving factor between like whether we go on the tour or not. It was like, well, come on, lads. I mean, it's going to be, we're going to be living the dream for the next few weeks. It wasn't like that. Was so it? we booked the tour and then, yeah, we landed in Beijing and then we got to, we got took to a restaurant just straight from the airport to meet the support bands that were going to tour with us. And, uh, they were tucking into like scorpions on sticks and stuff. And <laughs> that was that set the tone for the tour, really. Put it this way, every night we were kind of praying that there was going to be a McDonald's. <laughs> 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 yeah, the food was uh, oh, a little questionable, yeah. That must have been a real culture shock. <laughs> well, the shows were great. I mean, when we toured there, it was 2008, and it was quite difficult to get a visa um, to go and tour there you know we had to get we had to send our record off to the Chinese Ministry of Culture and have all the lyrics approved and mm. everything so it was difficult to get a visa we, we managed to do it a couple of other bands I think Bowling for Soup toured in the same year and they managed to do it but there was really very little in the way of kind of western bands touring there so when one came to town you know people really did come out to the shows and they were really really good shows mm. yeah yeah has there been any uh holy crap moments like oh i can't believe this has happened to me uh for me i would say just some of the bands that we got to support i mean i think the biggest one for me was when we got booked to support some 41 really? um, yeah we played a show with them they did a like a one-off headline show in uh, in holland um a few years ago and it was like five thousand capacity show Mm. Now, yeah, coming out on stage to that crowd was a bit of a wow. <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine. I could imagine. Yeah, for me, like we play, we played a, like, a couple of wow moments. It was kind of a two in one. Um, we did a gig support in um, the Sugar Hill Gang, which yeah. was a, a bit of a big score for us because obviously, like you know, it's the debatable sort of thing is that they created rap. So. Mm. That was a that was a, a great moment for us to, to support them. But on the morning of that show, um, I was eating a bagel, and a, a part of my tooth inside, round about here, broke. Oh. So uh, all kinds of anxiety was triggered for that. Mm. Um, but I managed to get into a dentist and uh, sort of wadded it out a bit. And uh, I was you know I was worried that it was going to affect what what I do. Um, but also it was too late to do anything about anything anyway. So, just... so you, that was on the morning of the show. Yeah. yeah. You basically lost half your two. Yeah. And went to yeah, a bottle. Yeah. That is, that is anxiety. That is show day anxiety on a new level. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just any old gig, you know, it was, it was a pretty good one supporting a massive band really. Yeah. Well, you know, just get on with it. <laughs> the show must go on yeah yeah oh and how did it turn out did you did you soldier on through it oh okay. yeah it was fine again once once you you're at the venue once you're starting to get you know get into the, the vibe of it and then once your first song kicks in and yeah. you forget everything anyway so yeah there was no there was no problem probably like a natural painkiller almost yeah exactly a bit of adrenaline great <laughs> If you could support any global act at the moment, what would be the dream act to support? It'd be quite, it'd be quite funny to support Limp Biscuit at the moment. <laughs> it'd be fun, you know, to sort of jump on and, and do a doppelganger song with him. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I said earlier, they are a great band. You know what I mean? They get a lot of a lot of stick. You know, they've got equal amounts of haters and amount mm. of the people that love them but if i could get the same amount of people hating me it'd be amazing <laughs> um, um so yeah that would be fun but again like deftones would be amazing mm. you love deftones don't you yeah they've just, they've just always been there like i'm into so much music so many different bands like you know we're always talking and sharing new music with each other like i'm not one dimensional by any stretch but they've always just been a band that have made amazing songs and I'm not hugely into their later stuff, but like as, as they progress now, it's it, they're a bit, it gets a bit weird, but, uh, but yeah, they're just one of those bands that, that are up there for me. Yeah. I think that'd be a good one. I think it'd be 
for me, yeah, I'm doing something with like a band like A Day to Remember, you know, someone that just, they're on that current ascendancy. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're a great band. They are, yeah. They're a great band. Or, or a classic like a Papa Roach. Like, I think that'd be... That would yeah. be a good fit too, I think. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd go very well together, actually. I can't believe that they're actually still around and still, you know, producing music and as good as they were, like, nearly 20 years ago. Yeah, right. I mean, they, they put out a new record this week, haven't they? It's an yeah. anger. Just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you could have expected them to drop off like a lot of the so-called new metal stuff. But again, I think they started to, to show their more of a hard rock side quite early on. So I think they've managed to sort of just keep going because they haven't just done one thing. You know, they, they continue to just make good music. I think that's why they're still around. Yeah, I think you see that a lot of those bands that have kind of stood the test of time don't rest on their laurels always. They do kind of diversify a little bit through their careers, right? And that, that keeps them interesting, keeps it fresh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For uh, This will be an interesting one. For people that know you and know your, your style of music, is there anybody that you listen to that fans of yours would be surprised that you like? You're laughing. We were looking at a really wicked 80s playlist that I've put together the other night, weren't we? Yeah. Um, man, have you got anything off the top of your head? Dude? Yeah, like, just like, we, we listen to everything, really. Like, obviously, people would expect us to listen to new metal or maybe a bit of punk. But I think, yeah, like, we listen to quite, you know, like you said, quite a bit of 80s. Um, a lot of pop, punk, yeah. some pop music, some hip hop. Like, I like stuff again, like Life House. That's a band that I've been listening to recently, and stuff like Gavin DeGraw and, and even like Vanessa Carlton. I've been listening to a little bit recently. Well, yeah, anything you know, we we're musicians. We take in all manner of influences from all over the place. Mm. We just love good songs. Really, I think that's. You know, that's that's basically what we listen to. It doesn't have to be a particular style or, you know, we're not so cool that we have to maintain it. No, nah, I mean, we listen to this sort of thing, but yeah. I'm not adverse to sticking a bit of Aberon from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> you must be very excited for them uh, getting back together, so. They're, yeah, they're, they're killing it, aren't they? Like, <laughs> their social media and everything, they're just blowing up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't expect to be talking talking about Albert tonight. <laughs> no. <laughs> you have to give it to him as well for the longevity of their careers. You know, that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we always say, like we have a laugh about what we listen to and stuff, and we do listen to a lot of music, but it's kind of it doesn't matter what the genre is, good songs are good songs, and good songs they they're timeless, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, yeah. How do you guys approach writing your songs? Is it the lyrics first? Is it the melodies? I prefer to probably have some music to vibe off mm. initially. I mean, I, I'm so easy with the phone in your pocket. I do write, you know, I do write things down as I think about it occasionally. You know, I think um, we did have the music to a, one, a new track that we're, we're working on, but I, I was in Aldi a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I was just queuing up to, to grab something. And I wrote the middle eight section while I was just queuing at the conveyor <laughs> belt. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be, the music doesn't have to be there. As a writer, I, you know, I will write stuff down just whenever I sort of think about it. Um, but it's nice to get a vibe, something demoed, something I can feel, and then the melody aspect and the, you know, the rhythmical nature of, of the vocal with the lyrics sort of, it's, it's almost like a circular thing. Sometimes a certain syllables or something will allow you to create the lyrics mm. and then you sort of go from there. Like it doesn't always, it's not always, oh, I want to portray this particular message. It's like, you'll think of a few words that just, you know, sound good over a, a particular chord section or whatever. And then take it from there. And then the song kind of grows from there, really. I think as a band, we don't really have a set formula, do we? It's like, 
we just let things come naturally. So there's some songs that will come together in at the end of a rehearsal, maybe in five or 10 minutes, we'll just start, you know, freestyle jamming and go, oh, that sounds good. And, and that will actually materialise into a song. Other times, you know, it might be a, a, a synth sample or something that, that Marx has recorded that will say, oh, this sounds cool. And we'll, we'll sit down and, and build a song around that, you know, in the studio, we'll just start mm. to, to get it down and, and layer it up from there. Um, so, that, yeah, we don't really have a set formula. We've got, you know, whatever way the ideas come in, we just kind of just let them flow and let the songs take their own shape. Yeah. 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 Do you prefer to approach them from a personal standpoint or do you prefer stepping back and writing them from a different perspective? Initially, I've always written in in a personal way. Like my experiences over the past six, seven years or so have been pretty, you know, intense at times on a personal level. So it's really hard not to write in that manner and, and I am quite a emotionally charged person so mm-hmm. yeah they are very personal but like I said about Sugarnaut at the time I'd, I'd already I'd finished a couple of, I think I finished an album that's that's up called Ghostwriters um, and a lot of that was really you know really quite personal it, it kind of took took it out of me a bit finishing it and it took me a lot kind of took me too long not too long but it took a long time to write some of it because I wanted it to, to be so perfect, as it were, in terms of what I wanted to portray. But uh, after that, um, I, put, I wanted to put the emphasis on, on less personal spin. So mm. that's how that sort of AI theme arrived in a song like Sugarnaut, because I wanted, I wanted to take away the super personal aspect and almost write a story that's not about me. So creating a sort of a narrative of sorts. So it's a little bit of half and half, I'd say, these days. Some, some are super personal, but I try and take it away from me and make it just relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. You mentioned working on it until it was perfect. It must be hard to know when you've reached a point where you can sit back and be like, yeah, that's it. It's done. It's ready. Yeah, I think the, many artists in different sort of mediums will, will agree. Like, you never really know when to let something go. Like, okay, this is, let's put it down. Um, maybe it comes with a bit of experience as you go along in songwriting, you know. You can take, you can labour over something that after you've recorded it just feels so naturally done anyway. I think when you go past that and you start to just trust yourself a bit more, um, you can find it a little bit easier to sort of just finish a line or finish a section. But yeah, traditionally I, I will, I'll write sort of four lines and then if I haven't got anything that feels like I'm really loving it, I'll just wait. I won't, I won't, I won't attack it and just sort of let any old nonsense sort of come out. Um, yeah. Sort of let it, let it brew. It's the best way to approach it. Yeah. So, um, after the singles have been released, what's the plan then? Yeah, we, we're basically, we're going to, what, have a couple of months to sort of regroup, but we're actually recording at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, we're already recording what's probably going to be an EP um, at the moment. So we kind of, like we said earlier, we're using these six singles to, you know, get the band out there and build up a bit of a fan base. And, uh, and um, yeah, then we're probably going to be releasing maybe February, March, uh, an EP with sort of five or six tracks on that we're, we're halfway through recording at the moment. That's where we've just been tonight. Actually, we're just back in the studio fresh. So yeah, yeah, we're really excited. We've got, um, we've got five tracks put down for that already. Um, so yeah, lots of new music next year as well, which is great. I mean, you know, we've got our own studio, so we can just uh, we're always able to write and record almost instantly when we've had an idea which is which is a real advantage for us so you know we, we're able to just keep putting out music and I mean as a new newish band as well I guess to a lot of listeners it's really important to be able to keep that momentum going as well and keep putting out music and, and keeping people interested I think you know sometimes traditionally you've had bands that have like kind of been close to to breaking through or have really been on the cusp of it and then 
you know, due to the fact that recording in the past has been so expensive and such a long process, they, they kind of fizzle out a little bit and you don't hear from them for a year or so. And you know, I think sometimes it kind of takes the wind out of your sails. So, you know, it's a real good thing that, I mean, technology's moved on, so loads of bands can record themselves a lot easier now and, and it's easier to do. But for us having that studio and being able to just keep the music rolling is, is, is super important. Mm, yeah, the audience these days have a very short attention span. There's so much media out there, you know, you have to really be on top of your game, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the culture everywhere is, is very, like you say, it's very kind of throwaway culture. It's on demand. People just want like, I want it now. I want yeah. the content. They consume the content, but then they don't pour over it like they used to because there is so much out there. It's like, all right, I've listened to that. That's cool now on to the next thing. And I think if you've grabbed someone's attention, they've liked your record, you've got you've got to get back with a new record and, and, and keep doing it. Yeah. That's why we chose that singles approach, didn't we? Because yeah, exactly. you know, like you said, we are as a band, it has been around a, a long time, but no one's really heard of us really. So we are essentially coming out as a, a brand new band. So the six single approach is just our way of of, of being able to not spam, but be able to promote something every fortnight and actually have something interesting to show. Yeah, that's the other thing. I really, I really don't like it when bands are kind of posting on social media the same, you know, repetitive content over and over again. It's yeah, I think it's important, you know, even when you've got people's attention that you're you're delivering new content all the time and keeping it interesting. So it's, yeah, it's played in, in between our single releases as well. We've got acoustic versions of each song coming oh. in between. So it's essentially a new release every week for the next four weeks or so. And then we've got some remixes that I've done. But um, again, after the six have been released, you know, maybe we could put out a a bit of a, a Christmassy EP sort of, of remixes. Yeah, again, the Linkin Park comparison is is pretty accurate. I'm, you know, I guess I'm like the Mike Shinoda of, of the band. Like I can sort of remix and rewrite things too. So I've really, again, during this last year, I've, I've just been nerd mode, just remixing and pulling tracks apart and just making new things out of them. And um, there's probably about three or four I'd be um, willing to let go of. Again, bringing it back to that, when do you let something go out into the public? Like, yeah. I've probably about 10. There's probably about four that I'm, that I reckon are really good. So yeah, just yeah, keeping the, keeping the content rolling in, in a non boring way for anyone that is interested in us. That's, that's what we want to do. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it like every day, there's a couple of hundred new listeners. I mean, there's no better buzz than that to, to validate what you're doing than, than seeing people listening and, and watching the videos and stuff. So yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. At this stage in your lives, is it hard to juggle being in a band compared to, you know, being 17, 18, fresh out of school? Is uh, is there much different? Um, it depends which way you look at it. In some ways, I think it's easier because we're a bit older and wiser and we've got the facilities and the finance and everything to do it. I think we're kind of, we know, you know, we kind of, we've got a lot of experience and so we kind of know how the industry works. Um, we know how all the recording process works and we managed to build the band to be quite self-sustainable. You know, Marks is a graphic designer, so he's designing all the artwork, the merch and everything. Our guitarist, Nick, is also a producer, so he's able to engineer and produce and, and mix and master all the records. Um, and then obviously I've got a lot of experience with sort of band management and marketing management and stuff like that. So we've really managed to build the band and make it sustainable. So in some ways, you know, being a bit older and wiser and, and having resources has made it easier. Um, when you're 17, I think you're quite naive. It's literally just, I want to be a rock star like Green Day and <laughs> No Effects and all those other cool bands I like at school. So we're going to buy a van and go and tour. And that's that was it. So, yeah. you know, at that time as well, that was a lot of hard work, no money, sleeping on hard floors. I mean, amazing experiences, but yeah, just a very different way of doing it. But I think, the way we're doing it now and, and the age we're at gives us a much better chance and, and how technology is now as well. It's great that you can actually do all that yourselves. Even like you were saying earlier on, you can remix the tracks and you know, you're very self-contained. You don't have to reach out to anyone else or, you know, send it out of house to get done and reworked. And then you might not like what comes back. It's a, uh, it's pretty great. It's a great position you're, you're in. 
Yeah, I mean, we, I guess it's a, we're all in control of everything we do creatively, I guess. And, you know, we are really passionate about what we do. So being able to handle it all is, like you say, it's, it is great. We haven't got to sort of critique or send it back to anyone. We just get on with it and do it. You know, we are quite prolific generally. Like we we love writing songs. We love making songs. And, and the fact that we can do it reasonably easy is perfect. You know, we, love, we just love it. We just love creating stuff that's basically what what i'm about anyway mm. can't stop function <laughs> to create yeah just, that's that's always been me really like you know life's ebbed and flowed in different directions but the one thing that has remained that i'm still 100 committed to is making music and that's that's not changed and i don't see it changing just yet I think music's just, I don't know if you've got the passion for it, whether that's as a listener or as a musician or as an enthusiast like yourself, as you know, journalist, podcaster, whatever you like. I think it just stays with you, right? I mean, music's probably the lot, well, it's definitely the longest relationship we've had. Yeah. Parties <laughs> come and go, kids, jobs, all the rest of it. But the one constant is the love for music, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That should be a title of a song or something. Partners come and go, but music stays. Oh, I'll uh, I'll move on to the last couple of questions. I uh, I ask every guest these. I always find them interesting to hear the answers. If you could see any band from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? Oh. Silence. <laughs> uh, I think Nirvana. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, like I was a little bit young for when Kurt Cobain was uh, was alive. So yeah, I think seeing them would have been uh, pretty insane. Would you believe? I think that's actually the first time that's been mentioned. They're one of my yeah. favorite bands, and it's the first time that a guest has actually said they'd love to see Nirvana. Yeah, I think they were unprecedented at the time, weren't they? So yeah, I, mean, I can't imagine what the atmosphere at their shows was like. Yeah, I can't think of one. I'm, I'm into so many things. Like my my, it's it's all a muddle. I don't know. Maybe Pearl again. It's a weird sort of era. Maybe Pearl Jam back in sort of you know the the ten the ten era. Oh yeah, yeah. Somebody like that maybe. Yeah, I proper iconic. Yeah. Like, I've never been super into, like, mad old stuff. You know, like, oh, some people might say, oh, Hendrix or somebody like that. Or, but I've never really been into mm. that, that sort of stuff. But I reckon maybe, maybe, maybe Pearl Jam, yeah. Again, they got so many songs that resonated with me as a youngster. Like, I think they were one of the first or probably the first rock band that really caught my attention. Mm. Like, probably 92 or something that 10 came out and... Um, a hip-hop kid really sort of just really into you know house of pain and cypress hill and and that sort of stuff and then i think cypress hill did a collab with pearl jam on a soundtrack the judgment night soundtrack um and yeah just they sort of that they sort of opened me up to to rock music i guess and then i started to notice bands crossing things over like obviously you've got rage against the machine mm. Um, and then bands like Sugar Ray, like uh, their early stuff, you know, again, proper rap. Sort of, okay, it wasn't rap rock as such, but there was a hip hop vibe, a hip hop aesthetic. In fact, DJ Lethal from House of Pain, uh, co- I think he co-produced Sugar Ray's first album. Again, like artists like that, like, like a DJ Lethal, I was you know, really into the hip hop thing. Seeing him working on, you know, this, this rock stuff, that's what pretty much sparked my interest in it too and that and, and just growing up in hip-hop music um hip-hop music encompasses all genres because it's basically you know for want of another word just steals everything <laughs> that's what yeah. that's what feel to me is like oh i can i can make a track out of this this rock thing and then i can get a string sample from over there and then maybe there's this little jazz lick you know that i can mm. sort of bring in and yeah just just being into hip-hop music pretty much burst my sort of interest in in crossover stuff. I reckon Nirvana and Pearl Jam, that's like a, a fantasy festival lineup. Yeah, actually. Resurrected. 
Yeah, two headliners there. Yeah, so that's not bad. I'm, I'm glad I found one. I always get stumped on questions, questions like that. But yeah, Pearl Jam, they were a big one for me. Yeah, yeah. I actually really wasn't expecting Pearl Jam now, to be honest. I was a bit shocked at that. It's a good one, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second last episode of season one, actually, I had a guest on who followed them around Europe every single on every single date of the tour. It's pretty, uh, pretty yeah, that's epic. Yeah. Yeah. Pricey, wasn't it? Yeah. That was my first thought as well, actually. <laughs> like, I love them, but I don't think I love them that much. <laughs> so um, the next question, it's I've been told it's a weird one. If you could be locked in a room with any musician from history for 24 hours, who would it be? Nicki Minaj, no. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that one. <laughs> I don't know, that'd be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it would. <laughs> Again, I think for me, maybe Everlast from House of Pain, like just as a just off the top of my head, you know, mm. growing growing up and hearing House of Pain stuff early on, and then seeing what he did with his solo stuff, like basically, you know. The story is, is that he had a heart bypass and he couldn't perform and live the, the fast life anymore. And um, he, so uh, while he was in like a recovery, he uh, he picked up his guitar and started getting, you know, getting used to playing again. I think he had always played, but yeah, he started to make sort of uh, bluesy rap rock sort of mellow crossover. Again, the crossover thing. Mm. Yeah, seeing somebody that I was influenced by in one genre and then segue into a completely new one. That was a, a a big thing, big influence on me. So yeah, maybe him just to you know pick his brains. Yeah, I think for me, maybe Johnny Cash would be a good one. Really? Yeah, I mean, um, somebody that was kind of an accidental famous musician, right? Someone that just taught themselves a few chords on the guitar, wrote some quite dark songs, um, and just got out there, and then you know, accidentally became. And the biggest selling artist of his time, I think that'd be a, a really interesting one. Yeah. He wrote some dark stuff, didn't he? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, for his, for his position, like. he had a bad childhood, and then obviously served in the U.S. Air Force, and and yeah, wrote some dark stuff. And then obviously his life was accidental fame, drugs, yeah. dark times. Yeah. Mm. yeah, amazing, amazing songwriter. And everlasting cover of Folsom Prison. Oh, that's a, that's a classic. Yeah, there you go. So, two sort of answers sort of linked up. Again, again. Isn't it weird when you look back at artists like Johnny Cash? You know, I always have this idea that the 50s and 60s were so clean cut. But when you really get into it, they were, as you said, they were actually quite dark. And, you know, it, it gives some of today's music a run for its money. Oh, definitely. I think at the time, like you say, I guess society and culture was very squeaky clean and then rock and roll came came along and, and completely tore the rule book up, really. Yeah, yeah, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if there was a, a song that could appear on the soundtrack to your lives, what would it be? Ooh. I know it's a tough question to just spring on you out of the box, but... The soundtrack to my life. Could it be one of mine? <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be a bit of a cop out now. <laughs> maybe like in the end by Linkin Park, I think it's quite a quite a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know, just emotionally and, and sort of. I don't know, there's there's a really good song by a, a British band called Lonely the Brave called Backroads. And um it's a bit morbid, but I had that pegged down as a funeral song. And I only my brother knows that. Um, but um, yeah, I think I think that I think it's uh, it, again, it's it's probably a, a different thing that you'd expect to come from from myself. If you know, if you listen listen to our music, but mm. yeah, check out that song, Backroads by Lonely the Brave. They're a great they're a great band, anyone. I reckon that beautiful, brilliant, brilliant. Who uh, who got answers again? So um, where can the listeners find you? So we've got a website. It's the sixthletter.co.uk. It's um, 
And then we've got Instagram, which is the sixth letter band. Everything else is just at the sixth letter, isn't it? Yeah, we're on everything. YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Deezer, you name it. Just uh, search the sixth letter and we're there. So uh... Just eat. <laughs> we're always on just eat yeah. <laughs> and uh <blowing> physique <laughs> yeah uh, oh, please do check us out and you know if you like what you hear give us a share perfect perfect um is there a message you want to leave the listeners with no nah, just uh stay large um it's a tough uh, it's a tough world out there at the moment really strange you've been through some really weird times um but yeah, just uh, try try and get through things as best you can. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, thanks thanks for listening to us. And yeah, do like I say, if you like what we're doing, then do check us out and share it with your friends because you know we 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 appreciate every listener. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Paraffin is going to play us out. What can you tell us about that? This one is about um, it's a it's a it's a nice rap rock sort of a typical. TSL rap rock track this one but um, this one's about um, having confidence to come through uh, any situation basically just knowing that you're going to be okay things can get tough you know you can your back can be up against the wall but the message behind this one is you know you're going to be fine so just just get out there and, and you know stick it to them brilliant brilliant well thanks a million for coming on guys yeah thanks a lot for having us it's been great thank you very much
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this show. If you did, rate and review us on iTunes. Really helps the show grow. You can find us on social media at Concerts That Made Us Podcast. And be sure to check out our website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concerts that made us. We've got three tiers available. If that's something you're interested in, you'll get access to a private Discord, exclusive uncut video versions of the podcast, early access to ad-free versions of the episodes, and much, much more. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.